Our scripture reading for today is taken from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. Back when I was in college, there was a very famous comedian at the time, and uh, probably one of the most famous for my generation. In fact, uh, Rolling Stone magazine rated him at one point the number two comedian of all time. His name was George Carlin. Very irreverent. Died about 12 years ago. But he once said this, he was an atheist, he once said this about Christianity. I would never want to be a member of a group whose symbol was a guy nailed to two pieces of wood. Now, as a Christian, that kind of bugs us to hear that. But at the same time, if you really think about it, from a world's perspective and from the the way the world looks at life and things, Christianity is pretty silly. It is quite a strange religion. It's quite different than the other religions that people have manufactured through the years. When we look at what the world thinks about Christianity through the eyes of kind of a human standard, this idea of preaching Christ crucified is is really rather ridiculous. In fact, I I think some people would even say it seems almost pathetic. If you think about the great temples that have been built by other religions in the world, Think about the the, the great monuments of the Mayan people or the Egyptians. We think about the the, the grandeur and the the concept of trying to, to make your God something that is so high and big and great. To think that we find as our main symbol of our faith, the, the greatest representation of our faith is a dead body on a cross. It's pretty pretty strange when you really think about it. Jesus today opens his mouth teaching his followers and and, uh, teaches them heaven's religion and how different heaven's religion is. One commentator looking at this text said, Jesus gives us here the Magna Carta of the kingdom of God. I like that, the Magna Carta of the kingdom of God. And he, he paints a picture of the proper qualities of those who are his faithful, the proper Uh, description, you might say, of those who are his faithful, those who belong to him. And so if if you really do desire to be a Christian and and hope to be one of those who are counted among his his band of believers, one of his chosen saints, then he would have you look into this mirror and examine yourself according to these what we call beatitudes. This is the description of a saint from the perspective of Christ. And what does he start with? That's the one verse we're going to look at today. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Interesting word. The Greek word for poor is actually extreme poverty. It's used throughout scripture to describe people in the lowliest, most extreme conditions. People who have been reduced to the point of begging for food. And it's usually used in a way to describe people on the rungs of society being at the bottom But Jesus here is not addressing physical poverty, he's addressing spiritual poverty. So 
the world's way of thinking about getting to God and religion is to get yourself up there as high as you can and to try to impress God in a way. Jesus starts completely the opposite. He takes us all the way down, as deep as you can go. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He, he flips our typical way of thinking of religion on its head. There's a great paradox about the Christian faith, and Jesus is really starting with that today in his Sermon on the Mount. And this is that paradox. It's, it's, a, it's a really strange one that oftentimes is hard for people to comprehend. Those who are truly righteous before God by faith are primarily, or excuse me, those who are deserving, excuse me, of being labeled as a child of God only when they first realize that they are completely undeserving of being labeled as a child of God can they get into the kingdom of God. So those who are truly righteous before God by faith are primarily focused on their lack of righteousness. That's such a strange concept. Okay, Think how different that is from maybe how the world would think. Those who are truly righteous before God by faith are primarily focused on their lack of righteousness. Now, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of sinful bad things going on out in the world and in society that we need to pay attention to. And we need to, we need to be able to recognize those things and at times speak out about it and address those things. But the real issue always starts here. The real issue for a Christian should always first be here. What's going on in my heart and mind and life that's not in line with the will of God. That is what Jesus is addressing for us. Those who follow him start there, and they keep the focus primarily there on their own need for a savior. There's no issue of greater significance to the Christian than what's going on in his or her own heart. A man by the name of Johannes Ilvesacker, his son is the, was one of the first presidents of Bethany that we named the YFAC after, Johannes Ilvesacker said this, It is a source of distress to the child of God that his own measure of service to God is so imperfect. Um, talk to pastors who do counseling, and they'll tell you that when, when people come in to talk to them about problems that they're having and things, one of the things they watch for the most is repentance is an acknowledgement of your own sin. When that starts to happen, from a pastor's perspective, that is health. That's healthy. That's a sign of life, okay? That's a sign that the Holy Spirit is working and alive in that individual's heart. The Bible says, God says to us in Scripture through Isaiah, this is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite and trembles at my word. David put it this way, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, these you will not despise. I'm going to give you a little illustration. Imagine a, a child that's living in a very, uh, a very run-down orphanage, maybe in some third world country. And it's a real little boy, and he's, he's, got, um, he's got very little clothes on and has no wealth at all in the world. He has to actually go among the other orphans and begin begging for them from them to get food and things. And there's a fence around this playground where these orphans are playing. And it just so happens that 
that royalty has shown up from another country that's going to adopt this child. And they see this little boy and they're watching him running around. And even though this little boy feels like he is in the most miserable position of anybody else in that compound, the people who have the royalty that are watching him and know that they're adopting him and know what they have waiting for him in the palace have a whole different way of looking at him and a different perspective on him. When God looks at you in the world, you yourself may feel like you're just beaten down and run down by the world and you're full of sin like I am. But when God looks at you through the eyes and through the work of Christ, through his eyes, he sees you as holy and righteous. He sees you as a perfect holy saint, deserving of living in the palace of heaven. Isn't it interesting that in these Beatitudes, it doesn't say theirs will be the kingdom of God. It says theirs is the kingdom of God. It's something you already have now and already possess. This week, in All Saints Week, we've been talking a lot about the white robe of righteousness that God has given to us in Christ. The problem for us in this world is we don't feel that. We don't see that in ourselves. But God is looking at us through the fence, and he knows that we belong to him. He knows that you are his child, forgiven in Christ. He sees you as a holy and perfect saint. I'll just close with one last thing. When I was a young pastor, I was serving a church down in Florida, and we used to have monthly meetings where the pastors would get together. And I remember one day we were talking to some of the older pastors. There was a guy there who was retired. He was close to 80 now. And somebody asked him the question, is there anything about you being a pastor in your ministry that you regret? And he said, I have one regret, that I didn't remind my people often enough that they're saints. That's maybe something we as pastors need to do a little more of. How wonderful it is to look out at the saints of God who love their Savior and know how badly they need him, and how wonderful it will be for us someday to sing his praises around his throne. Amen. Please join me in the prayer that you'll find on the back of your bulletin. Let us rise and pray these words responsively. Almighty God and Father, we pray that you would plant your word in our hearts, that we may cling to it in faith and bear much fruit in well-doing. Strengthen and defend your church, that by your word and sacrament, faith may grow and love toward all increase. Guide and protect all who spread abroad the light of your truth throughout the world. Be with those who undergo persecution for the sake of Christ and preserve them in the fight of faith. Guide and bless all lawful authority. Give wisdom and sound judgment that justice may prevail in our land and all wickedness be hindered and punished. Protect our bodies and souls from all harm and danger. Support us in our last hour with your mercy. And finally, admit us into your eternal joy to love and serve you in the blessed company of your saints and angels forevermore. We pray all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in his peace. Amen. Thank you.